Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. So that being said, are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? We are in a brand new series, kicking this off today, called Simplify. And it's just a series about the clutter that happens in our lives, that the, 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 um, the overwhelming uh, amount of counseling that I've done over the past almost 30 years now has, has almost always gone the same way. Now, the topic can be a wide variety of topics. It, it could be relational. It could be financial. It could be issues with somebody at work. It could be addictions. It, I mean, the, the, the topic uh, or the issue, it varies from person to person and family to family. And yet I find myself over and over and over again just helping people cut through the clutter and helping them simplify. And I tell people, in fact, many of you have heard me say that. If you come to my office and you've presented an issue, uh, I, I often say, hey, listen, my role as the counselor, counselor here and the pastor is not only to teach you what the Bible says, but just to help you simplify, just to cut through the clutter and go to the heart of the matter. That, that's my task in those moments. And what I found out is a lot of people just carry clutter in their minds and their hearts. That you, you, You're just stressed out. You're, you're stressed out in your marriage. You're stressed out in relationships. You're stressed out with your children. You're stressed out with finances. You're stressed out at your job. You're stressed out with your coworkers. You're stressed out with your boss. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And, and then you start playing the games. Well, if this happens, then this can happen. And if this happens, then I'll do this. But if this doesn't happen, then I'll do this. But if I don't do this, then that might happen. And, and, and it's just a bunch of clutter in, in your mind. And not only in your mind, but actually in your life, too. In your life, too. And I'm, I'm here to help you today. Now, now today is going to be a time of ministry. As we set the foundation, we got we to gotta do first things first. And we'll get to that. At the end, you'll understand what I mean. By that. So that being said, letter A, write this down. That change always starts in the mind. And make no mistake, what this, what this series is about, it, it's teaching you how to simplify. It's teaching you how to cut through the clutter. It's teaching you how to live a life of joy, a life of peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what has to happen is there has to be a change in your mind. Rick Warren says this, that the way you think determines the way you feel, and the way you feel influences the way you act. The Bible says it this way, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you change the way that you think, you'll also change your life. You'll change the way that you act. You'll change the way that you talk if you just change the way that you think. So let it be, write this down, that the outlook then determines the outcome. If change starts in the mind, then you're then your outlook determines the outcome. But here's the outlook that I've seen in a lot of people, and this is shared all the time by pastors, by counselors. These four words are very, very critical. And again, it's, this is not mine. This is from multiple people all saying the same thing uh, because we see it so often, that people are overscheduled, overcommitted, overextended, and overwhelmed. And, and let, me go, let me break this down one by one for you. The overscheduled is, it's believing the busy is better lie. It's a lie that just says busy is better. Busy is better. Like you, you, you can't sit still. You always have to be going. You always have to be 
on the move. You, you, you just schedule things over and over and over and over and over again because somehow you've convinced yourself that life is better if it's busy and you're just overscheduled. And you need to learn how to slow down. The second thing is overcommitted. And this is one I hear a lot, overcommitted. And the lie is the kids need this. It's, it's the, the kids need this lie. Uh, yeah, you, you're, hey, listen, sir, man, you're over, you're overcommitted. You need to slow down. You need to break some of these commitments. Oh, but my kids need this. My kids need this. My kids need this, and they need this, and they need this, and they need this, and they need this, and they're involved in everything. And what I've found out, and I want you to listen to your pastor, what I have found out is that you're believing a lie. You're convincing yourself that my kids need this, but they're not the ones who need that. Actually, you are. You're the one. And what I mean by that is a lot of parents, and I see this over and over and over again, well, I never had, when I was growing up, I didn't get, or I didn't get to go to, or I, I didn't get to play in, or I wasn't a part of when I was growing up, and I always said, my kids are going to have this. And so what you're doing is you're, you're overextending yourself, you're overcommitting yourself, saying that your kids need this, but I'm going to tell you something, it's actually you. In order for you to feel good about your parenting, you feel like you have to get your kids plugged into every single thing that they possibly can. Not for them to feel good, but for you to feel good because you didn't get the opportunities that they have. And you said to yourself, I'm gonna make sure my kids, I'm gonna, because my kids need this. And I would challenge that. Do your kids really need that? You know, one of the things that my wife and I did, uh, one of the, the things that we have done very well, we have made mistakes in, in parenting. We all make mistakes in parenting. There's no such thing as a perfect parent, okay? So if you're trying to be that, it's impossible. You're going to make mistakes. But one of the things that we did well was we never overcommitted to what our children were involved in. Because what we found out was if we were to overcommit them, what that would actually do is that actually would take the, take the major influence of their life, meaning us, and hand that influence to someone else. Or if they're never at home until 9 o'clock at night because they're so busy, guess what? Then I'm not the primary person influencing their life. Their teachers are, their coaches are, their band director is. They, they, they have another major influence in their life besides me. Well, I want to be, I always wanted to be the major influence in the life of my children. And so we just, we just never overcommitted in that area. We still let our, our, our kids be very involved. In fact, my daughter, Grace, you can, you can embarrass her uh, when you see her right after the service. She comes to the third service today, I'm sure, unless she's working in the back today, I don't know. Uh, but if she's around, if you know Grace, go, go, go embarrass her and say congratulations because her and her volleyball team just became ch uh, state champs just last week. Isn't that cool, everybody? So, uh, so, so we're okay. Let me tell you, we're okay with kids being involved in sports and activities. We're not against that. We're not. But there's a difference between allowing them to be involved and then being overcommitted. Overcommitted. Have I stepped on any parents' toes yet? I'm having fun. You, you might not be, but I'm loving this right now. Okay, overextended, overextended. And this is the no problem at all lie. 
It's a lie that says, oh, no problem at all. Somebody asks something, yeah, yeah, no problem at all. Hey, hey, will you do this? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Hey, can you, can you take care of this? Yeah, no problem whatsoever. I got you. And what, what you're doing is you're living a life in which you, you, don't, you don't know how to say no. That you just want to make everybody happy. So everybody that requests something from you, the answer is always going to be yes. And the, the problem with that is you're overextending yourself. And you just have to learn to say no because you've believed a lie. That is no problem whatsoever. That is no problem at all. But actually, it has become a problem. Again, another thing that my wife and I have learned to do is that we've learned to say no. We've learned to say no. And now we don't say no all the time by any means. But if there's a conflict, especially especially a conflict with my time with my wife or my time with my family, um, I, I just have learned to say no. Because let, let me ask you this, if I won all of Plymouth to the Lord Jesus Christ, which would be amazing, but I lost my own children, I wouldn't be okay with that. My first calling in life, outside of my relationship with God, is to be a great husband to my wife and to be a great father to my children. And so I've learned over the years to say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Because, in fact, I get a lot of people like, hey, can we meet on Friday? Can we meet on Friday? Can we meet on Friday? No. Friday is my date day with my wife. And, and nothing trumps that unless it's an emergency, an absolute emergency. And then my, both my wife and I together will go take care of that emergency together. Everybody see that? So, so if somebody's in an emergency situation and it's a Friday, I'll, I'll tell my wife, hey, so-and-so is happening. Let's go to the hospital first. You know, let's go, let's go to this place first and we'll, we'll deal with that but only on an emergency level. Why? Because, because I've learned how to say no. I, I, and I hate that. If you know me, if you know me, I hate disappointing people. I hate it. Like if there's anything that I would struggle with, it's this one right here. Because I hate disappointing people. I love it when everybody's happy. I love it when everybody's happy. But I've realized in order for me, in order for me to have priorities in my life, not everybody's going to be happy with me all the time. And to some extent, I'm okay with that because I know my priorities in life. And some of you, this is going to be a series about organizing your priorities and learning when to say no. The last one is overwhelmed. It's the, um, it has to be done lie. Yeah, but it's got to be done. But it's got to be done. It's got to be done. And people never sit down. They live an exhausted life. They never rest because in their mind they have believed a lie. It has to be done. And what they're saying by that is not only it has to be done, but it has to be done now. And lots of times, my, okay, so, so I'm, the, I'm the overextended. My wife is the overwhelmed. Because my wife would say, well, it has to be done. I'm like, yeah, and it can be done tomorrow. But I can sleep better if it's done tonight. Anybody else like that in the room? Okay, I, I, I see it on your faces. I can read you. I'm reading you like a book right now. And there's some of you in this room that you just, you just feel it has to be done, but not tomorrow. It has to be done tonight. It has to be done today. And the problem with that is there are always going to be things that always have to be done. And you're going to be overwhelmed, and you're never going to rest because you haven't, you haven't learned that your best day, 
Let, let me say it like this. You're at your best when you're at rest. You're at your best when you're at rest. If, if you are overwhelmed, your, person, your personality is going to be stressed. It's going to be anxious. And that's not living life. You might be getting things done, but you're not living life at its best. In fact, you're probably stressing out everybody around you. You're probably stressing out your spouse. Is this too real for you guys? Because I'm, I'm just being transparent with you. You're probably stressing out your, your spouse. You're stressing out your kids. You're stressing out your, your boss, your coworkers, because, it, it, well, it has to be done. It has to be done. And, and they're probably thinking the same thing as we used to say back in the 90s, just take a chill pill. You know what I'm talking about? I know it's so uncool, but I said it anyway. I don't care. So let's, let's look at this in, in all reality here. Let us see, write this down. Simplifying our lives requires honesty and change. The first thing you have to do is you have to be honest. So a lot of you, a lot of you, you found yourself on, those, on that list, overscheduled, overcommitted, overextended, overwhelmed. You found yourself. You already know which one of those you are. And some of you found like two or three of those that you are. Now, there's, a, there's, a, a, there's always some other people that you're not on there at all, and you don't really struggle with that. That's great because your priorities in order. But then there's always just the very few that, that they just don't do anything ever. You know what I mean? They're just lazy, and hopefully that's not none of, any of us in, in this room. But odds are the vast majority of you found yourself as one of those four. And my question is, are you going to be honest about it? Are you going to be honest and say, you know, that's it? That's who I am. I've got to be honest about it. And that you take those stresses and you take those anxieties and you do what 1 Peter 5, 7 says and you cast, you cast those things on the Lord because he cares for you, right? So a lot of times, a lot of pastors would say, would, would, would go up and say, hey, okay, you have all these stresses, you have all these anxieties. Let's just hand that over to God. Can I tell you something? We're going to go deeper. We're going to go further. In fact, I want, to, I want to share with you another thing. Letter D, write this down. That we pray, but often don't appreciate God's response. God, I'm just so stressed out. And so you're honest about the stress. You're honest about being overextended or overcommitted or overwhelmed or overscheduled. You're honest about that. But then all of a sudden, it's time to make change. And you don't make a change. And you're living life the same way this week as you did last week or the last month or last year or the last five years. You haven't, you've been honest about the stress aspect. You've been honest about the anxiety or the pressure that you feel, but there hasn't been a change. And so you're still living life the way that you've always lived life. And so what I'm calling you to is not only honesty, but change. And the first thing that we do, of course, is commit that to God. We cast our cares upon him, knowing that he cares for us. But sometimes we don't wait for his response because we got to get back to stuff because I got stuff to do. I have children to satisfy. I, I have a schedule to go back to and we don't listen to God's response or we don't like God's response. And I was thinking about a story in, that we read in Luke chapter 10 in which somebody did not like the response of Jesus. And I'm going to show you this in Luke 10, 38. As Jesus and his, and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. She was 
Overscheduled, overcommitted, overextended, overwhelmed. She was absolutely distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? You know, this is so interesting. <laughs> she's having an issue. And she's mad at her sister Mary. And, and she knows, I think something inside of her knows that Mary's not going to listen. So she goes to Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? Can you imagine that? The, the audacity of going to the Messiah, the Son of God, and saying, oh, by the way, I know you don't really care. Because look how busy I am. And I'm doing all of this for you. And you would think that you would have her help me. What an attitude, right? And that's exactly what's happening. I'm, I'm not overstating that. That's exactly what's happening. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Like, Jesus, I, I want to have a talk with you. You're not, you don't really care for me. Apparently, you just care for her more. You don't care about me. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Now let's stop right there. My first thing, whenever, every time I read that, is I think of the Brady Bunch. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. How many knows that right there? That's not the case here. Actually, this is very endearing from Jesus. He's looking at Martha. He's saying, Martha, Martha. He, he's, he's being very soft with her right now, very sensitive to her because he sees the stress. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed, only one. There's only one thing that's needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I can, Martha, Martha, I'm not going to correct her. Because as she's here sitting at my feet, she's actually the one getting it right. I know you're overextended, you're overwhelmed. You're overcommitted. You're overscheduled. I get it. But she's not the one who needs correction. You do. See, number one, write this down. Martha's real problem wasn't Mary. It was actually Martha. You're saying, no, Mary doesn't need correction here. You need correction. You need correction. I wonder if Jesus, he obviously is in this room. The Bible says where we gather in the name of Jesus, he's here with us. But if he was holding the microphone today, speaking to you, I wonder what he would say to you. I want, why don't you think about that for a second? What would Jesus say to you if, if you are Overscheduled and overcommitted, overextended and overwhelmed. What would he say to you? Hey, you've got to relax. Is that what he would tell you? You're putting way too much on yourself. You're, you're carrying too heavy a load. Are, are you living a life of peace? If he, if he was standing here today and you were kneeling in front of him, what would he tell you? 
I know what he would tell me. With, with, with what my life has been like lately, what my life has been like for, for months now, if I was the one sitting at Jesus' feet, he would say, Justin, you're a good boy. Justin, you're my boy. You got to trust me. You, you got to trust me. Because Justin is sometimes over-controlling. You can ask my, my mom who's in the room, ask my wife, ask my family. I just have that tendency. I'm a leader, and I love to, to do, I like to do things the right way. I love things for things to be in order. I'm a goal-oriented type of guy. Sometimes I get too involved thinking that it's up to me to build things, to grow things. And I think Jesus would be looking at Justin saying, Justin, are you going to trust me? Why don't you just sit there for a little while? Just lean into me. What would he tell you? Would he tell you, hey, 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 you're scared for nothing. I got this. What would he tell you, hey, listen, you're not honoring my word. You're not resting. I need you to rest. I want you to take a break. In fact, I want you to rest in me. What would he tell you? Hey, you're doing all of these things, but I don't see any joy in your life. Where's your joy? Don't you want that? Hey, you're doing all of these things. That's great, great, but I don't, I'm not seeing any peace in your life. Don't you want some peace in your life? to which all of us would sit there with tears in our eyes saying, yeah, I do want that, Lord. I, I want to trust you. I want hope. I want peace. I want joy. I want life, that abundant life that you promised. Martha's real problem wasn't Mary. It was actually Martha. And Jesus is getting her attention. You know what I found out through, through literally almost 30 years of, of pastoring and, and counseling? That the Marthas of the world, the Martha mentalities of the world, they struggle with the three E's. I want you to write these down. Exhaustion. They struggle with expectations. And they struggle with enmity. Now I'm going to explain that, those three in just a second. It's the three E's. So when people come into my office and they're just, they're, their life is just cluttered, their mind and their heart, their soul is just cluttered. And I'm helping them simplify. I'm, I'm helping them get to the heart of the matter and, and to prioritize. Every single time, they're just tired. Pastor, I just can't live like this. I'm just exhausted. I'm just tired. Or they're struggling with expectations. This is huge. And you know what it is? Failed expectations of others. Well, I don't understand it. How, why my husband doesn't help. I don't understand it. Why my wife does this. I don't understand it. When are my kids going to get this right? When is my boss going to get this right? My coworkers are driving me nuts. Nobody's doing what they're supposed to do. Failed expectations. This is huge. And it just wears on you. 
and you're exhausted. And when you get exhausted, it leads to, to enmity, which is another word for resentment. You might want to write that word down, resentment. Like all of a sudden you start resenting people. All of a sudden you're living at odds with your spouse. You're living at odds with your children. Odds, you're living at odds with your boss or your coworkers or extended family members. You're carrying a lot of resentment in your life because people aren't meeting your expectations. But can I tell you something? When you're living a life of stress and anxiety and feeling overwhelmed all the time, you're not meeting the expectations of others. You know, one time, I was, this is years and years ago now, I was going through a very difficult time in my life, and I got some help for that. And, and, uh, and after a, a few days, it was noticeable. The help that I was getting was extremely noticeable. And I remember my wife, she came up to me with tears in her eyes, and she said, I have my husband back. She said, I missed you. And I knew exactly what she was saying that the Justin that she married wasn't being the Justin that she knew me to be. And it was because I was carrying a load. I was carrying a weight on me that was becoming unbearable. Can I tell you this series is about, it's about just lightening your load. It's about the, these chains that are around you that are, just, that are just weighing you down and you can't take it anymore. And your life is a wreck. This is not about Justin. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ saying, hey, you don't need that. And pulling these chains off of you just one by one in order for you to be free from the thing that the enemy wants to do in your life. This is going to be a series on healing. You're going to, be, you're going to experience the healing of the Lord if you just submit to it. Are you exhausted? Are people failing to meet your expectations? Are you carrying resentment? Even worse, has that resentment built up into bitterness? And worse than that, has it been built up into unforgiveness? Because there are levels of resentment. And if you're not careful, it'll lead you down a road you don't want to go down. So to simplify, to simplify, we have to start with the one thing. It's just the one thing. I'm going to show you this in a second, but remember, Jesus is talking to Martha, and Martha wants him to get, she, she wants the Lord Jesus to get on to the people who are not meeting her expectations, right? And Jesus corrects Martha, and he says, actually, you're worried about many things. But really only one thing is needed. It's really only one thing. And that got my mind started. What's the one thing? And I'm going to share with you what it is. The one thing. Psalm 27 verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, like all of the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. It's just the one thing. 
the one thing. I just want to be with Jesus. It's just the one thing. I just want Jesus. And isn't that exactly what Mary is doing, sitting at the feet of Jesus? And he says, I will not take this away from her because she's doing the one thing. She's just focused on me. There's more places in this, Mark chapter 10, verse 21. This is about the, the rich young ruler who's saying, hey, you know, how can I have this life? How can I experience this right relationship with God? And how can I, how can I live my life the right way? And I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and I do this. And Jesus is telling him, hey, all of those things are great. All of those things are great. But watch what he says. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack. He said, go and sell everything that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And then, you might want to highlight this, then come and follow me. You know what he's saying? To this rich young ruler, he's saying, all eyes on me. You have your eyes on the things of this world. You have your eyes on your wealth. You have your eyes on materialistic things. But I want all eyes on me. It's the one thing. The psalmist says, I just want to gaze at the beauty of the Lord. And Jesus himself tells this rich young ruler, all eyes on me. We see it again in Philippians. Paul is writing to the, to the, to the church at Philippi. And he says, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, it's the one thing. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. And you think, there it is, there's work, there's there's what I have to do. No, 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 no. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying? He's saying, saying this. My eyes, the one thing that I do right, my eyes are on Jesus. My eyes are on my Savior. And I want to live life the way that he wants me to live life. My eyes are on him. I'm not thinking about how I used to live life. My eyes are on him. All eyes on Jesus. All eyes on Jesus. Listen, over the next few weeks, I'm going to teach you how to simplify. I'm going to teach you how to unclutter your soul but it would be wrong of me to start this series without laying the foundation, all eyes on Jesus. All eyes on Jesus. For instance, I have no joy to give you. I have no peace to share. I have no hope to spread except through the Lord Jesus Christ. All eyes on Jesus. Jesus even said this. I, I want you to think about this. And this is a verse that I've shared several times over the last year or two. 
And, and I think it's just because of the season that we're, we're in, maybe in just our church family, but it's found in the book of Matthew eleven twenty eight. It's Jesus speaking. And he says, you know this verse, come to me. All you who are weary, who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And he says, and learn from me. So the worst thing I could do, New Song, is to, is to stand up here and say, okay, everybody, I've got this figured out. Justin has this figured out. Learn from Justin. That's the worst thing I could do. Because then your eyes would be upon me. No, all eyes on Jesus. All eyes on Jesus. I don't have the power to solve your problems. I can't do that. But I can point you to the one who does. And he says, no, no, come to me. All eyes on me. And he says, learn from me. What do you think Mary was doing that day? What was she listening to? What was she hearing from the very mouth of Jesus? No doubt, she was in awe. No doubt, she was listening. No doubt, she was learning. And Jesus said, Martha, would you calm down and just be with me? All eyes on me, Jesus would say. A new song, my family, I'm telling you today. All eyes on Jesus. Because he can bring you peace that I cannot give. He'll, he'll bring you joy that I don't have to share with you. Any joy that I have is only found in him. I, I, let, let me ask you this. And if I were going to point you to joy, who else would I point you to except him? Who else is going to give you joy that the Bible says is unspeakable and full of glory? Who else could give you that joy? I, I can't do that. But he can. And I wonder if it would be okay for us just to stay right where you are. The presence of the Lord Jesus Christ is in this room. And we're going to sit here just for a moment at the feet of Jesus. We're going to enjoy him for a little while. Could we do that? Could we just take a few moments and rest in the presence of Jesus? Because his presence fills this room right here, right now. I sense a move of the Spirit right, right here, right now. But healing is going to take place right here, right now. Could we just bow our heads? right where you're seated. Yes, cast your cares on him. But what's his response? Listen to his response. Is his response to trust? Is his response... saying that you just need you need peace is his response saying 
You're missing joy in your life. And you've been so busy looking at all the stuff in your life. He's saying, all eyes on me. Jesus, you are the source of hope in our lives. You are the source of joy. You're the source of peace. You're everything. And before we go any further in this series, all eyes on you, Jesus. Today, we choose not to be a Martha, but to be a Mary and just sit at your feet. We just want to be with you. We want to learn from you. Because we cannot bear this load alone. And so we rest at your feet. rest at your feet. A new song under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I declare to you today, be healed. Be at rest. Be at peace. Be filled with the joy of the Lord. song, I bless you with supernatural rest. I declare it over you today in Jesus' name. presence there is fullness of joy there is peace forevermore and I thank you for filling not only this place but filling our lives with your goodness with your mercy with your joy with your peace with your compassion and your kindness, with your Holy Spirit, you fill our lives and we give you praise. And we love you. And we love you. this point, could, could we just stand up and just lift up your hands to the Lord? If you, if you feel comfortable doing that, you don't have to, but let's just take a moment and just bless the Lord together. The Bible says it this way, that we lift up our hands in the sanctuary and we bless the Lord. So what we're doing right now is very biblical. Father, you are worthy of all praise. You're worthy of all glory and honor. And I give you praise in advance for what you're doing in the lives 
of our church family, God. I thank you that you're going to speak wisdom. But not only that, you're going to speak peace into their heart. You're going to speak joy into their heart. You're going to speak life in them and over them. And I thank you that we will never be the same again. And in the middle of it all, Father, we declare you deserve the glory. You deserve the honor for what you do in our lives. It's all because of you. Help us to live our life with our eyes on Jesus. We worship you. We honor you. With your head still bowed, let me ask a question. I never like to end a service without giving you an opportunity to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, to surrender your life to Jesus. And if today you've, you don't know Jesus as Savior, you've never, you've never invited Christ into your life, I'm going to give you that chance right now. And I'm just going to say a prayer. You can pray with me. Dear Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Wash my past away. Today, Jesus, I know that you're Lord of all. But today I declare that you're Lord of me. Jesus, you're my Lord, my Savior. The one that I trust with my salvation. And I thank you for saving me. For accepting me as I am into your family into the family of God. Thank you. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins and cleansing me from all unrighteousness like your word says. Thank you for saving me. Today I surrender to you. Help me to honor you all of the days of my life. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And with nobody moving around, not even dream team members, just hang out here just for a second. If you accepted the Lord, here, if you're in the room, go to guest services, pick up this book, Fresh Start. If you're watching online and you gave your life to Christ today, be sure to contact us and we'll give you one of these books. We'll give you some more information besides that too. I, I want you to know something, my family. Uh, we love you so very, very much. I, I also want you to know that all of us as staff here at the church, that we're gathering every single day that we're here in the office and we're gathering together and we start our day by praying specifically for you. Now, we pray for other things too, but I want you to know that God is on the move and I, I feel the spirit of the Lord in my life and in this place like I haven't in a long time. And I want you to join with us in prayer. We need Jesus like we've never needed him before. And I want you to be serious about your relationship with Jesus. No going back. All eyes on Jesus. All eyes on Jesus. Can I get a better amen than that, everybody? All eyes on Jesus. Don't miss a Sunday. Don't come alone. 
One invitation can change a life. We love you. We're praying for you. If you're new, make sure you catch me on the lobby. Can't wait to meet you. God bless you, new song. Have a great day. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week. Thank you.